standing up in McKinney. This is According to Callus. And I gotta tell you, I'm coming to you today on January the 16th, episode 333 of the numbered episodes. Of course, there's, you know, probably about 15 or 20 that aren't numbered, but we're getting there. We are growing, we're spreading, the word is getting out, and we are making a difference. And speaking of making a difference, there's the old uh, tagline, if you will, when if first you don't succeed, try and try again. So the title of today's episode is when first you don't succeed. Okay. Before I get into the meat of the subject, let's hit the high points here. You've got to learn from your mistakes or failures. You have to learn to count the costs. You've got to focus on the long-term goal and be willing to change plans. Okay, before we get into that, let me just uh, thank you all for being here. Uh, If you're not already subscribed, I would ask you to subscribe. I do have a little contest going on for people that subscribe. Yes, I'd like you to follow both my social media and the podcast and comment, like, share, all that stuff. It's helpful. It gets it out. And, you know, I got to tell you, I thought I had a pretty good episode on uh, Thursday last week and Friday for that matter. And the algorithm hit me. I went from, well, a, a very good number for Tuesday and Wednesday show to dismal <laughs> for Thursday and Friday. And it's the strangest thing. I don't know if it was the topic or whatever, uh, but the overall arch or arc is still continuing. We're in good shape, but I just ask you to help me out with that. And if you're feeling particularly frosty, go and rate the show. Let people know, let me know what you think of what I'm doing, because I try to be entertaining. I try to be informative. Honestly, I just try and educate us on what we can do. And I don't speak to you as the know all and see all, but I am speaking to you directly as myself, as this entire show is almost entirely based off of my opinion of the facts and the evidence that is laid out before us. So if I get something wrong, which does happen from time to time, I expect you to let me know. I want you to let me know. Neil Bortz used to say, don't trust anything that anybody says or shows you or you read or you hear, including myself. You should always do your own research and you should always back up. <clears throat> now that I've got that done and out of the way, and I want to remind you all, I did two weeks of uh, advertising for my friend, and uh, we'll see if uh, he sees any uh, help there. But the previous uh, two weeks worth of episodes, his ad finished up my program. And uh, if you were in the market for something like that, I would request you give the guy a call. And there is no money exchanging. It was just a solid from one brother to another. Okay, on with the show. You've got to learn from your mistakes and or failures. Okay, it really doesn't matter what the mistake is. It really doesn't matter what the failure is. Businessmen talk about having to go back and look over for a continual process improvement. They, they talk about determining the root cause of failure so that you can correct it. They, they seek ways to improve the outcome. They seek ways to either increase the efficiency, 
which should increase the profit, or they find ways to make it more profitable or lower the cost. Same difference, but the outcome is the same. It improves it. Now, some would, I can hear some of you out there, well, that doesn't necessarily mean you get a better product. You're right. If you want a high-end product and you want that done, it's going to cost you more and sometimes a whole lot more. The, the adage that you get what you pay for comes into play here. So when you're learning from your mistakes, when you're learning from your failures, you have to make sure that you learn the right lesson. You have to make sure that you talk to somebody outside of your sphere, outside of the echo chamber that you live in. You have to be wise enough to realize that there might just be a blind spot. We're all guilty of it, myself included. Maybe um, you've been paying attention to what's been going on. So before I go any further, let me just kind of lay the groundwork of where I'm going with this. So Cowling County, by the numbers, as nearly 60% Republican, some would say uh, higher, uh, and some would say it's slightly lower when you factor in the conservatives versus the moderates. Okay, fair enough. But entirely, if you go off the recognition of the brand, which is the Republican Party, it would seem that but for one district in Plano, everything else would the edge, the advantage would be to somebody running as a Republican. And this is coming at the end of about a 20-year run in the Cowlin County where it was a waste of time to run as anything other than a Republican. And everybody posed as a conservative Republican. And when I say the word pose on purpose, so it's really hard to run against a establishment official or a Republican elected official, established or not. They have the advantage of being the incumbent. They have the advantage of, you know, name recognition. A wise person once told me, Stephen, it is possible to beat an incumbent with two or three things, but if you only have one of three, you need to sit out. And that's part of the equation here. That's exactly where I'm going with this. If you have the grassroots and you have money, you have a chance. If you have grassroots and you have name recognition, you have a chance. If you have name recognition and money, you have a chance. But if you don't have two of the three, you're kind of dead in the water. So one asks themselves, how do you get that? Well, there's a number of things you can do. You can be active in your community. You can be an activist. You can pay a lot of money. You can... Um, I guess just getting on the press, right? That's where you would get your name recognition. As far as the grassroots go, you got to be one of us. If you're if you're not working with the grassroots, if you're not an activist, if you're not involved, we kind of see you for what you are. Now, that doesn't mean that the grassroots doesn't from time to time and actually lately quite often go with the person they know, even if they're not perfect, that they take the lesser of evils. And largely it's because they decide they don't have a better option. Now, the third piece of this is money. And I hate to say it, but money really makes up for lack of name recognition and money can buy you grassroots interests. And I hate to say it that way, but that's just how this plays out. It, it just, 
it overcomes the other two, not all by itself. It does require some buy and it does require some effort, but it covers a lot of sins. But if you don't have money, even if you do have name recognition, even if you do have grassroots support, that's tough. That's real tough. Especially when the other side has nothing but money. And they'll spend that money like there's no tomorrow. And you need not look any further than the results of the primary in HD 61. And to some extent, you can watch the converse of that in HD 70 in the general election. All the money that was in there, all the name recognition was in there, but they didn't have the grassroots. Right? So it almost made enough difference. That's just how important it is to money. So when I talk about learning from mistakes, I'm now of the opinion that if you don't have money, you ought not run. And when I say money, I don't need, I guess it depends per seat. It depends mm, for what you're interested in. But if you don't have at least some money, which also translates into interest by others, if you don't have some money before you announce you're not doing yourself any favors. You're hurting yourself. And I can speak to this directly and indirectly. I mean, my own uh, race, I had no money when I started other than the amount I put in. I was able to do a little fundraising, but I was a one-man show and I was outspent 10 to 1 and the results indicate that. I'm not bitter about it. It's just you learn from your mistakes. On the flip side, If you get into the race and you have money, but you don't spend it wisely, it doesn't help you. So again, when you watch your favorite candidate lose, it's in your best interest to find out why, where was the failure? Okay. And it's going to be different for every race. And why does this matter? Because ladies and gentlemen, whether you want to admit it or not, Plano is lost. Frisco is more or less in trouble and McKinney's not far behind it. Now, Allen has a reprieve and, and, and I'm really grateful for that. The challenge is, is you have to find quality, likable candidates. Then you have to find people that want to invest money. And the problem is in most of the cities, we're all over 200,000. Now the moneyed interests like the status quo. They like the people that are there because they're easier to manipulate and they already run the boards. They already, they own the city. They own the leadership of the city. And so no, so long as it's benign, so long as it's not overly partisan, so long as it's generally conceptually working for the greater good, most of us are okay with that. It's not favorable. It's not ideal, but it's okay. We don't really have that luxury. Frisco is increasing their debt into oblivion and McKinney seems to want to do the same kind of thing. And there is no one standing up to be a voice of reason. There's nobody that stepped out to say, Hey guys, I've been in the city a long time. I'm invested. I've you know either lived here or had a house or raised my kids or had a business or whatever. And I'm here to offer you an alternate vision. Maybe it's similar or maybe it's radically different, but just something different than the status quo. I'm here to ask questions. I'm here to investigate. McKinney does a lot of things. Well, what could we do differently? 
How could we improve? Indeed, where is the continuous improvement process at play here? This would also translate into the school district. But that's another story. Now, we have to count the costs. What does that mean? Well, there is an establishment. The establishment, I wouldn't say is overtly political partisan. They're more concerned about protecting their own turf. So long as it's not invading their turf, so long as it's not seen as a threat, they don't really care. They don't have anything vested in it, but they like having a solid majority of their people. And it's not unique to McKinney or Frisco or Plano. It's this way everywhere. And we, the people, we kind of learn to just kind of go along with it. Don't rock the boat. It's okay. And hey, as long as they have cops on the street and firefighters available, you know, we don't need to really worry about anything else. I think that's a short-sighted way of looking at things. I think there are long-term costs. When you have unbridled expansion, you also have enormous debt. That puts you into a cycle where you have to continuously be expanding to be able to afford just a function. And when you look at investing in the older parts of town that in many cases desperately need attention, whether it's infrastructure or upgrades or just revitalization, that often gets put on the back burner, that often gets to play second fiddle to new new growth and new expansion. And there's a reason for that. There is far more money, far more return, if you will, on expansion. But there's a cost. If you ignore things for so long, it gets more and more expensive. It becomes more and more detrimental to go back and fix something the older it gets. Now, we saw some of this play out, right? They they had their ice house on the east side of McKinney. They wanted to utilize it in the new plan. That's what they told us. And I don't really doubt them. I don't, you know, I'm not going to call anybody a liar. But I think they really kind of had a good idea that eh, it's not going to work. But we're going to placate the people and tell them we're going to do it. And then, you know, well, magically, the cost to do the work that we need to do there is skyrocketed. And now it's just not economically feasible to do that at this time. In fact, it's just going to be better for everybody if we go ahead and demo that out and build a new building. Now, maybe that's true or maybe it's not, but it was disingenuous to put it forward. It was disingenuous to lead people to think you were going to respect the culture, respect the history of the area when you really could care less. Or worse still, you're seeking to replace the existing culture with new culture. When you have transplants that come to an area, the goal of the transplant is to graft into the existing culture, to become part of the culture. And in some ways, the culture does evolve. It does change over time. It does grow, for lack of a better word. But when you come in and you spend time just blasting the culture that exists and belittling the culture that exists and, quite frankly, working against the existing culture that's counterproductive. I mean, you sh- when you're a transplant, it's your duty to join what was already there. They talk about the concept of Californication, right? We're, we're going to turn everywhere we go into California. Well, that's 
both true and false. Many of the people that have relocated here from California actually look to what we have and idealize it and like it, but they want some of the things they had back home. And I don't fault them for that. I mean, I'll be honest, when I moved down here, I longed for frozen custard. I longed for good bakery or pastries. Both were lacking in the area for a long time. Now, fortunately, we got Culver's here and actually there's more now, but we have some decent things that I missed from back home. And by and large, they've been successful and they've been embraced by both the existing culture and the new people that have transplanted down here. They see an appreciation for these things and they know, but it's not looking to upend the status quo. It's not looking to destroy that which previously existed. Indeed, the status quo is not always good because it's static. So the cost is you've got a loss of existing culture. You've got a destruction of previous culture. You've got exorbitant amounts of debt. And people just don't feel like it's home anymore. I mean, they're going to try and sell you on the concept of live, work, play. McKinney was always a bedroom community. Now, whether or not that works in the 21st century, don't know. But a few people shouldn't be able to make that determination for us and shove it down our throats. I see where legacy works in Plano. I see where Waters Crossing works in Allen. I'm open to the idea that something similar might be great in McKinney, maybe even in more than one area because McKinney's that large. But when you have it shoved upon you, when you don't listen to the concerns of the neighboring community, and whether you just have people come in and they only see dollar signs, is that what's really best is the good question. What's the cost? When you have a transient neighborhood, when you have a transient community, they don't consider what was there before them and they could care less about what's going to follow them. These are not the people that you want making decisions long term, but they have a say, they have a value. We have to hear them out. I'm just suggesting that maybe they shouldn't dictate the terms of how we operate the city. But when they have a majority, you have no choice. That directly goes into the idea of focusing on the long-term goals. Now, here's the problem. Most of America no longer functions with a long-term goal. Most of America doesn't even understand what a long-term goal is. We've spent so much time, effort, and energy just worrying about the next quarter, the next year, the fiscal year, that we can't see three to five to 50 years out. Now, myself... I struggle with this from time to time, if I'm completely honest. I spend time talking to people that have made long-term plans, that they do see the future. And when I talk to them and I elaborate in my own mind, how does this play out if what they say is true based upon what I know and what I see, it's not a pretty picture. It's, It's not something that I desire for my community, for myself. But now the question is, is how do you sell this? How do you encourage those around you that what they're being told, what they're being sold is not all that it adds up to be. This is not the outcome. What they're selling is not going to be what you get. There's the challenge. So you can get there by focusing on the goal. Now, in political terms, sometimes that means rather than running for every seat, you run for two. And sometimes that means 
you run for none. You just accept that that person running, they're just not that bad. They're they're actually pretty good. I kind of agree with most of what they want to do. And although they're not my first choice or my first pick, they're there. They're doing a decent job. We just leave well enough alone. Now, I kind of advised this to some degree to some of my friends when we were dealing with our very own uh, primary situation here last year. Kind of the devil you know versus the devil you don't, right? It's not ideal, but there was no way forward. You you have to be willing to accept that you can't win sometimes or that you can't get exactly what you want. That's different than surrendering. That's different than giving up your principles. That's just accepting that my principles stay the same, but as a practical matter, I have to accept this. What's your goal? Your goal is to improve the situation to grow slow, to grow wise, and to be sure that when McKinney or Collin County is built out in a mature fashion, that everybody that lives here benefits. It's in its improvement continues and everybody else has access to that. Now we're spoiled in America that the poorest people in our cities, the poorest people in our States and our country as a whole have it so much better than anywhere else in the world. And we just don't have a good concept of just how bad things can be. Now, there are those, eh, World Economic Forum, that kind of thing, that would like for all of us to get to experience that firsthand. They just don't tell you that. Their soft sell, their approach is different than what the truth is. What I'm suggesting to you is a similar thing is playing out, but you have to focus on the goal. Now, Years ago, I served on the Parks Board, and one of the long-term goals in Collin County was to have a series of interconnecting bike trails or hike trails within Collin County, and I think that's a great goal. It's not a huge cost. It does preserve green space. It does preserve access to nature, and quite frankly, it's something that I enjoy to go out from time to time, take a walk in nature, or go ride a bike on the trail, and I would encourage anybody to do that any time. And like I said, the investment's low, especially when you think ahead, when you plan ahead. On the flip side of this, they have this idea that they can somehow reinstall some kind of public transit or they can bring back in some kind of uh, program where they have buses. Well, those work, in a manner of speaking, in a high-density area. And when they finally grasped that, their solution was, well, we'll just turn the whole place into a high-density area. I mean, it's like they learn nothing. It's like, oh, well, we want to do this. So in order to do this, we're going to do this. And who cares about the cost? Who cares about the damage? Who cares about the consequences? Because this is what we want. There's money to be made. Okay. But just because you made money doesn't mean that it was a good outcome. It doesn't mean that it's always the best. This is a challenge. I mean, capitalists miss this. Uh, Socialists never understood it in the first place. You know, conservatives, by and large, should be on board with this. Yes, we want people to be able to do things that are independent and fulfilling. And we want them to get along well with the society or the culture they live in. But they also have to acknowledge that there's always a constant ebb and flow of what's going on. And some things are static. Some things are personal and important and you keep that. But that's in a family Or as a subculture, you can't mandate on everybody around you. 
and expect them to go along in lockstep. Unless, of course, you're progressive, then you just do it by the barrel of a gun. But that, again, is another story. And lastly, you have to be willing to change plans. You have to be willing to adapt, right? There's the the meme, adapt or die. Many times I've had plans, I've had thoughts, I've decided or thought, or my wife and I have discussed and we want to do X or we want to do Y. And when we get closer, it just isn't tenable. Or it is, and then we need to seize the day now as opposed to wait until six months from now. Or we look at it and it's just getting out of control, out of hand. And you know what? That's just not a good option for our family at this time. Or even that time. We need to maybe reconsider. And certainly that plays out at the community level or the city level or the county level. Now I want you to just consider in your mind's eye for one moment. What is it that the ideal future would look like? And I would advise you that you probably ought to not base it off Star Trek or Star Wars. Just something that's relevant and realistic to the here and now. What is something that you could see happening in a five to ten year timeline? Now hold on to that for a minute. Do you feel confident that the leadership that exists right now is going to get you there? Do you feel uneasy that they have a divergent view on some things or they perhaps are conflicting or in conflict directly with what you want. And pay no matter if they're nice people, pay no matter if they look good, pay no matter if they speak well, pay no matter if they're completely inoffensive or some made up ideal that's put upon us, do their values, do their principles align with what yours are? Do they have a similar idea of where we need to be going? The problem is they're going to be a sales pitch that's going to be very, very attractive. Oh, it's going to look so beautiful, so nice, so shiny. Don't be distracted by that. You have to go back and look at what are the costs involved with doing what it is they're talking about. What's what's going to change about the locality, the culture, when you pivot to that? Is that really an outcome that I desire? Is that the ideal situation for myself, my family, in my community, or my subculture? Now think on that. Now some of you may be aware of the nonsense that's been going on here in the ISD. And some maybe are turned off about some of the presentations that have occurred at the school board meetings. I understand that. I really do. I remember when I was a young man, Operation Rescue would show up at the State Fair Park in Wisconsin and they would hold up these great big pictures of aborted babies. It would turn your stomach. It was painful to look at sometimes. It really hurt. It hurt some of the communication. That'd be the way I'd phrase it. But at the end, their goal, right, wrong, or otherwise, is they wanted for people to see what the horror of abortion 
was. They wanted them to have to acknowledge that the consequence of going into surgery and having your baby torn apart and removed because it was inconvenient for you was terrible. It was evil. Now, clearly what is going on doesn't quite rise to that level. It's, it's not quite that extreme, but let me ask you something. Are you comfortable with the idea of your daughter, your granddaughter being put into a room with an adult that's dressed up in, let's call it modern day blackface, right? No white person in their right mind would ever put dark makeup on their face to pretend they were black, but we have men that routinely dress up to pretend to be women. We have some in the reverse and we're supposed to accept that as normal. In fact, we've been counseled and encouraged to take your young impressionable children and put them in front of them as they take part in whatever grotesque um, interactions are. Now I know there's some of you out there, oh, it's just reading a book. It's completely harmless. And now, now, but let me ask you, how many of you would be comfortable going to a minstrel show? How many of you even know what that is? How many of you would, if you were to see what it really looks like, would walk out of that theater or out of that um, screening room and think to yourself, that really reflects well on our society. We should do that more often. How is this any different? You know, I've spent a little over a year observing what's been going on. They haven't done that yet, but they put, they allow and apparently have no issue with pornographic books being readily available for children. Now they've gone from, we don't have them here to, well, there's an opt out to, well, we we don't have those here. Uh, And if we do, it was a mistake to, well, now we're going to actually go back and review It shouldn't take 14 months and it really shouldn't be a challenge to get these books removed. Now I understand there are a lot of people that lumped in CRT with this. I'm hesitant to do that. There are a lot of people that just lumped out 300 books or whatever the number is. Don't know. It's largely irrelevant, but just wanted this grand scape of this is all terrible and it's evil and we need to get rid of it. Okay, fair enough. And you would think that if the school board was actually concerned about what their people wanted and what their activists in the community were concerned about, they would have been open about it. They would have said, please come look at this, observe it. Let us know if you find problems. But no, they didn't do that. They fought tooth and nail. They dragged their feet they've created such frustration that people that came there with legitimate concerns and were actually quite happy to try and work with the school board kind of had enough. Some of them acted in inappropriate ways and we saw them removed. Some of them really didn't do anything that was all that inappropriate, but they were still removed. Some of the arbitrary enforcement became a problem. Some of the, some of the tempers just got short and it's sad. It's really sad because on the surface, we all agree we want what's best for our children. 
We want to educate and prepare the next generation to be able to do well. And to get caught up in a fight like this because the people that were responsible to sit down and come up with a solution refused to do so. The people that were ultimately responsible to make a difference and to change didn't. Now, sadly, that puts us in a position where the people that I'm friendly with, the people that I know, and I know where their hearts are, they're made to be the enemy. They're made to be the bad people. They're made to be the boogeyman. But how is that the case? Because they said so. And there's not anybody that's countering that narrative. There's nobody in leadership that's willing to at least acknowledge, well, no, they had valuable input. They had valid issues or concerns, and we just didn't address them in a timely fashion. Oh, well, you do have Chad Green, but he's basically not allowed to talk, and he's had his hand slapped multiple times, realistically, for not doing anything differently than any of the other board members have done. It's just that there's six of them and one of him. Oh, and by the way, our very own mayor decides to show up and routinely lambast him, and by routinely, more than once. I don't even know if it's three times now or not. Don't care. Because quite frankly, what George does, George does. You're not going to tell him otherwise. But hey, don't worry. He's defending the ability to have these pornographic materials presented to your children without your concerns being addressed. And some of you out there might say, well, it's not really pornographic material or, or it's for educational purposes or maybe it's helpful. And all of that might be true. And it's really simple to set up an opt-in function. But they don't want to do that. Why? Oh, because who knows what their excuse is? Who cares? What's the long-term goal there? Well, let's look at it. In fact, let's just take a couple minutes and go back and review the whole thing. I now am over 30 minutes. I'll be quick about this. So we should have learned from our mistakes. The district, the board didn't want to hear what we had to tell them. We should have found other ways to do it. What was the cost? Some of our people looked bad. What's the long-term goal? Protecting our children and hoping them or helping them to grow up to be good citizens. Now, how would we go about changing the plan? Well, we want the best possible candidates running against the incumbents on the premise that we don't hate them. They just didn't do what needed to be done. They were not receptive to the people they work for. They were not willing to take a stand when it mattered. They had a year and they wasted it. They are ineffective and they don't care what you think. So what are we going to do about it? I ask you. I've been talking for a couple of months now that I knew of three candidates that were in the race. As is my habit, I like to talk up people that are going to go after incumbents. I think it needs to be encouraged as a general principle. I think it's important that when you have an incumbent or any elected official that doesn't represent you or your community or your subculture, you need to stand up and speak for yourself. And if you can, put a candidate up against their candidates. Get rid of those incumbents if they're not willing to listen to the society or the culture around them. Sometimes that means 
that you have to take the person that's willing to run rather than the ideal person. Sometimes that means that you sacrifice the ideal for the principle. That is that this person needs to go. So you throw whatever you can at it. But when you have other options, now it's time to consider, is it appropriate to change the plan? Now, I can't answer that for any one individual. I, and you, if you're in McKinney, you know exactly what I'm speaking of at this point. I'm not going to tell anybody what they need to do. I'm not going to tell anybody how they should vote. I am going to do the best I can to educate and give our people the best chance that they deserve. Get our side, our subculture, our community, an opportunity to be heard at the larger sphere as a whole. Now, it might be interesting to see how this plays out. How much is it that the leaders that be, the powers that be, the McKinney team, for lack of a better word, really wants to protect these people? It'll be telling. But I'm going to warn you right now, if you're not prepared and we don't do a good job and we don't deliver quality candidates with a good message, we're going to lose. And that that loss only sends a message to those that would drive the agenda in the opposite direction that we want, that McKinney's open for business and not in a good way. Progressives always progress to their goal. Conservatives, by and large, look to sacrifice as little as they can at the time so they can survive. Sometimes they'll even sacrifice their principles. That has no long-term advantage. Taking the best deal you can from time to time is necessary. It's a practical matter. But you have to be advancing in other areas. You have to utilize a little military strategy and realize, I can't win this battle, but I have to fight this to slow them down and keep those people involved in this battle so that I can win this battle, so I can advance at this front. General MacArthur reputedly said, the way to win is to put my people where they're not. That's the easiest way to take back territory is see where they're not and take it and advance that way. And for those of you listening, if you think that the progressives didn't learn that lesson, you're sadly mistaken. If you wanted to do anything to affect the outcome in Collin County and maintain the quote-unquote red Collin County, now's the time. We ought to be making our benches. We ought to be, (laughs) the terms build the bench, but we have to make a bench. (laughs) You you have to have a bench to expand the bench. You, You have to have a little bit of up and down filtering and communication. Now, maybe it's there and I'm just completely oblivious to it. I doubt it, but I'll tell you what, the progressives are already there. They're already running their game and we haven't yet shown up. Let's hope, let's hope this election cycle, they prove me wrong. They show otherwise. I'm seeing, I'm seeing slivers of hope. I am trying to be positive here. The message is supposed to always be positive, but if you're not going to be honest with yourself, how can you be honest with others? Like I said, if at first you don't succeed, try and try again.
So whether or not we win or lose, it really only matters if we win. So that means we're going to have to come back again and again and make sure that we win and we win. But if we're not learning the lessons, if we're not changing the game plan, we're never going to get there. This is the word of caution that I want to issue. I mean, it's halfway through the month of January. There's a whole lot more that can happen. Pay attention. Know what's going on around you and be involved. And with that, this is According to Callus, and I will see you on the other side.